Uh, oh. Yeah, we're getting right into it. Yeah. We surprised Bob this morning. I, I like your water bottle. What is this? The promotional item. Oh. That was found in the I like travels. the choice of music. The, the music is created by our producer, Justin Passamonte. We are live. We are good. We have a guest in studio, and we have a guest on the line calling from halfway across the world. It is in the morning where we are taping now, but the gentleman that we will be talking to, it is nighttime. So this, this will be an interesting conversation. First time talking to anybody on the other side of the planet. Uh, so in the house today, we, we have Alex DeCapua. Hello, say, everybody. How you did doing? I say it right? Yeah, you said it right. Excellent. <laughs> Alex and I stumbled across each other here in Rochester. Through and, a mutual friend. Yep. And uh, and absolutely talked cannabis and and had similar uh, paths in our lives where we do different things and had great conversations. And he told me about a gentleman uh, who's in the cannabis space as well, a buddy of his that he's done work with. Uh, and I knew right away I wanted to have them both on. So, so Alex, thanks for joining us today. Not a problem. Not a problem. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, and then his his friend that I'm really excited to talk with because uh, apparently he's building, has built some kind of facility in the U.S. that, that I want to learn a lot from. Uh, and the gentleman who is originally from the Philadelphia area, and everybody knows I'm a Sixer fan and Philly fan. Uh, so let's, let me introduce with no further ado, Mr. Bucky Bakes. Yo, yo, yo. What's going on? Brian, Alex. What's up, sir? Welcome to the show, sir. Welcome. Really excited to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Uh, I want to get right to the chase because uh, we don't have a lot of time. Uh, it is January, so how is it? Jan- where, first of all, where are you calling from, Bucky? I'm calling from Bangkok in Thailand, Southeast Asia. Ooh. What's the song? Come on, one night in one Bangkok. night one in night. Bangkok. I love that song, <laughs> man. That was one of my favorite songs back in the day. <laughs> I could do some serious roller yeah. skate to that song. Roller skating. <laughs> <laughs> can How do all I... sorts of skating to that song. <laughs> I love it. How old are you, Bucky? I am, uh, Jesus. Uh, right? You're going to make me count how many years. What What year? What century are we in? Are uh, we in the 1900s or we in the 2000s? <laughs> we're in the 2000s, brother. I like that. <laughs> Listen, old soul. You yeah, want to count so, what level soul of life this is? Is that where you're going with it? Oh, boy. I mean, I, I don't know how many centuries I go back. I mean, I'm actually from a different different dimension, different planet. I'm just oh. uh, just a, an alien here living on this planet, planet Earth, Nanu, Nanu. for the moment. You know, like just it. gathering information, problem solving, you know, getting debriefed, you know, occasionally from uh, the forces above, checking in, testing me out, you know. So, so I love do. that. So, so have you actually formally had people asking you such things or, or been teaching you such things or is this just something you knew growing up just like me? Basically, I've always just wanted to learn. Somebody told me I can't do something. I immediately had to do something. You know, whether it was don't touch the burner, you're going to get burned. I immediately had to touch the burner, and uh, and I I didn't get burned. I'm like they lied to me. These people lied to me. These people above and authoritative positions lied to me. I didn't get fucking burned. And then uh, you know, a year or two later. I reach out and lean on this stove and get the fuck burned out of me. Well, you get burned if the stove's on. You got to learn that later in life. But, you know, all these little lessons. 
things that people told us once upon a time, there actually was meaning to it. You know, just trying to figure out what that meaning really is about, to me, is what life's about. Don't put your tongue on the metal. I put my tongue on the metal. I did it. I'll admit it. It happened once <laughs> in my life. In the winter, winter time? Right. Yeah. yeah. You had 100%. to do it. I, I was an idiot, not you paying attention. Poke your eye out with that. Thing. Yeah, <laughs> stupid, just stupid. Uh, so, so Alex, you and Bucky have been boys for a long time. Yeah, yeah, quite a while. And I know you guys did some projects together too, right? Yeah, yeah. We uh, I've I've worked a lot with them. Uh, Bucky's more of a mentor to me. I love that. Uh, we always need those in our lives. So, so Bucky, what makes you someone qualified to be a mentor to Alex? Like, what, what's your path? What's taking you from Philly all the way to Bangkok? Oh, has it been <laughs> women? Has it been work? Or has it been just following that that road that road with your soul? You know what? I well, my my dad's side of the family is multiple multiple generations deep out of uh, Germantown, Philly. My mom was uh, Gettysburg out in the country, Pennsylvania, and then migrated from the East Coast the whole way to the West Coast when I when I was young. So I went, jumped from uh, from from Germantown to uh, San Jose, Northern California, and then grew up in Colorado, and then fled, got chased out of the state, fled while I could, did a couple years in uh, in. Upper West Side, Manhattan, and then the past 20 years was in L.A. And, uh, and Alex, he, he came a little bit late, later in life. He did the East Coast to West Coast. And he came under, I mean, it's a thanks. It's a compliment to say that I was his mentor. You say, what did it take to be your mentor? I say, I fucked up in life. I <laughs> had to have, have, have spent time with Alex. I always tell him, I'm like, man, I fucked up. Look, look what I am. But we're both unwanted kids. Um, you know, that's how we're, our paths cross. We were both unwanted kids in life. And, uh, you know, I had my clothing line, Sick Fuck, which was street youth contour uh, from unwanted kids. And, uh, you know, I took them under my wing and we had a lot of good times, tried to teach them a lot of lessons in life basically from all the shit that I learned and made mistakes and tried to tell him don't do what I did but sometimes he listened sometimes he didn't <laughs> but uh you know the smoke cleared and uh you know he's got his little pimp limp now which I got 20 years ago and uh you know but we're still elbow to elbow when we walk down the alley so it's all good that's all that matters when you know you got that guy that you can go you can go anywhere with and he's going to be right there at your side Word, so what is this clothing up. line now, and and what what really was the the meaning behind it? That that was yeah, that's what I did the past fuck. I don't even know what what year are we in, what century, yeah. and uh, yeah, sick fuck was a clothing line, street youth couture from unwanted kids, and uh, it just you know basically started out as just you know me making punk rock clothes that i always did from from an early age cutting shit ripping shit up putting together with safety pins and a thread needle and uh spray painting shit and uh you know then it just turned into a, a patch into a t-shirt into a fucking full-blown clothing line girls and guys and custom pieces for you know bunch of you know bands rock stars whatever out in hollywood because when you live out there you just kind of kick it with whoever and uh you know that just evolved and 
and uh, it got to a point and I just, uh, I kind of retired from the fashion and music business and kind of traced back to my roots a bit. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence, but the, but the cows always return home to pasture and uh, the grass was greener and I kind of went back to Colorado and got back into cannabis and hemp and uh and you know just i'm doing that full time now basically out of colorado and i moved out to to thailand about three years ago to chase some some hemp opportunities and i've been out here positioning and exploring in about six different countries out here positioning myself to uh to get started as soon as they really open up the commercial opportunities so this is interesting. I've been learning a lot about internationally what's going on with this plant. So, so tell us from your perspective out there in Asia, because it's been, it, it's funny because to me, the roots of the plant are in Asia. There, it, it seems like almost it, it originated out there, how it was, how it was used uh, it, medicinally. You know what? You, you hit the nail right on the head. And once again, I said it earlier, but Cal always returns home to pasture. The grass is greener on the other side of the of the fucking hill, the fence, whatever you want to call it, the other side of the ocean, the planet, you know, everybody, I mean, I remember when I grew up, I didn't grow up, but when I was, when I was, you know, young and dumb and, and, uh, having fun, the, the, the best weed that I ever smoked, one of the best strains, there was probably about four or five. And, uh, let's see the, I had some real, some real Hawaiian, it wasn't Maui Wow yet. It was just called Hawaiian. This was probably in, fuck, 81, 82, okay. <clears throat> when we were getting the gourmet stuff. Um, and then, uh, so the, the, the Hawaiian, I had some, some chocolate Jamaican, um, some Acapulco gold, and some, uh, some chocolate Thai stick. Okay, so actually, so four strains. I had some Colombian gold. Uh, but these were just like buds we were able to get because we had a connection. We were only able to get like a fucking a, a five or a five dollar bag, nickel bag or a dime bag. They were called back in the day. And uh, and I smoked this tie. We had a joint and uh, we probably only had we only I think we only were able to get maybe like fuck like three grams of it. And there was like five of us and we rolled up a joint and I took fuck. I can remember how high I was. And, uh, and I maybe had like one and a half hits off this joint and I was just so fucking high and that stuff then. So on the other side of the world, like one of the most preferred strains was tie stick or, or chocolate tie. I remember, and, tie. Uh, I remember seeing the tie stick, uh, back in, it's so a little older than me. Now I have some context. Uh, it's amazing to me. Okay, everybody out there, let's let's think about this. This man is remembering strains from '82. I thought pot smokers don't remember stuff. I thought I thought we're a bunch of just hippies that, that forget everything. Like you're on the money of four strains from '82. You you oh, tried yeah. hundred no, since then, and you remember these off the top of your head like nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I remember the first time I smoked Alaskan Thunderfuck. That was in in '84. We did a bong before in our in our up in our dorm room before we were going to go to dinner in the cafeteria and we did a bong hit off this glass bong and we were so high we just sat there we couldn't even talk and then all of a sudden it must have been like an hour or two hours later and that was probably only 10 minutes but uh it, we were like oh fuck let's go eat and we had the munchies so bad and we went down there 
and that was the first first and last time I ever had the real Alaskan thunder fucking that shit was like grown what under like 24 hours of fucking uh, of sunlight because they have they have the different cycles up there before mm-hmm. it flipped yeah. so it fucking vegged for these you know for crazy amounts and uh, yeah I can remember some, the fucking the, the good shit and there was some Panam- Panamanian red bud heck yeah um, absolutely I remember the Panamanian that 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 shit was good and uh but yeah there wasn't there just wasn't and all the shit was grown outdoors they're just i mean we were growing some shit in our closets but uh you know it was just it wasn't it wasn't perfected at all but uh all the the good shit you got it was grown outdoors and then you would find a seed and it it was just like a diamond in the rough like dude i found a seed you know everybody be fighting for that one seed that's so you know that you You actually wanted to find seeds in them oh yeah no i mean because there was a fucking diamond in the rough like fuck i mean yeah it could have been a male plant but uh you didn't know it was fitty fitty yeah because it was worth the risk Oh yeah, so but now, this I mean, must have been when male, you were in Colorado, right? You had access in Colorado. Yeah, this was in Colorado, and yeah. if it was a male, it was good because if, as long as there were some female plants growing, you, I mean, you didn't want to grow it by yourself. You wanted to plant at the same time you had other ones in case it was a male, so you'd have the killer fucking pollen. Then you could fucking throw it down on one of the females, and then you'd have a fucking crazy fucking strain, and uh, you know, and you'd have a bunch of seeds. And, uh, I mean, I remember we had, we had this pollen from, I don't know what type of plant this was. I, I think it was this Afghan and, uh, my friend was just growing it and it fucking, it was Colorado. He threw a seed out, out behind his friend's trailer. And, uh, that thing must've grown like eight or 10 foot tall. And, uh, but it was a male. So everybody was like bummed, but I took some pollen and, uh, I had a plant in my dorm room and it was a female and I took some pollen and I put it in a little Ziploc bag, or not a Ziploc, but just a, a sandwich bag. Mm-hmm. They weren't yeah. really Ziplocs back then, the fold yeah. sandwich bags. Yep, yep. And I had a little palm in there, and I came, and I took some out, and I just rubbed it on just one bud in my uh, my closet, my dorm room, and just the one bud, because there were, I didn't have a fan or nothing in there, so it just stayed and uh and it was humid in there because it was stuffed in the closet so it didn't drift because <laughs> the humidity kept it down. Mm-hmm. And just that one bud seeded. So I had the craziest, and I don't know what strain I was growing. It was just a, a, a fucking good plant. Yeah, so I had the fucking killer fucking seeds. I mean, they would have. I never got to grow them because uh, I got I got basically booted out of <laughs> college. One of, the, I can't one of the fucking seven, I got booted out, so I never got to finish that plant. <laughs> but uh, now what but they would have been. What some, college is this at? <laughs> that was up. It's uh, called CSU. I love it. Yeah, that's what Colorado CSU. State University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. CSU. So, yeah, did you Colorado ever State finish University. the degree, or did you just go on for your life degree after that? Did what? Did you ever finish your degree, or did you go on to move on for your life degree after that? Um, I mean, I think I. Fuck, I don't know. I mean, I went to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine colleges, and uh, I got <laughs> colleges and universities. And uh, but I got a two-year degree in an art school, and then a two-year degree in another art school. So a fashion school uh, for fashion, and then one for uh, computer graphics. So I got two uh, ADs, associate degrees, they were called, or something. Mm-hmm. Graphics. Oh, that's cool. So was that back in the day, like when you're doing PageMaker and Corp oh, Express dude, yeah, and that was, Photoshop? That shit and- was. 
Yeah, that shit was back in the day when, fuck, you would have to rasterize something and it would just take forever to do one one simple thing now. Like, I mean, fuck, it, it, it takes longer than the keyboard stroke and it ta it's taken fucking might as well take two days. But back then you would do a, f a function and have to sit and wait, wait for it to fucking go through. So <laughs> that's what that's what I learned on the fucking old old school shit that's right no you learned it from the foundation up that's interesting uh so and yeah go ahead go ahead mm -mm. continue this is great i, lo I love uh, hearing about people yeah the, the, the yeah the one the one it was just kind of at the turning point where the computers were just kind of coming in but we were still drawing <laughs> with like with with pencils and pens and and uh pastels and and watercolors and triangles and and fucking T squares and and all that shit. And then uh, you would draw them, and then you'd you know try to try to scan it in on this thing that would just take fucking forever to try to scan it. I mean now fuck nobody draws anything. I mean they do, but it's like people the only people that draw shit are drawing it because they're getting paid to do it, or they're just fucking really high and just want to draw, but for jobs and efficiency everything is fucking on computers yeah i mean you can draw you on know. your ipad now i mean you know you can draw you can draw on your digital devices yeah but even then people people really aren't aren't drawing they're taking pictures you know they're scanning pictures are scanned in and then they're just they're editing on on their computer yeah there's a, there's a lot of you know. uh, art and culture i guess it keeps changing over the years and uh definitely technology is is definitely changed uh, you know artistry and and people in that genre you know they're they're adding digital to that now yeah i mean i i'm I'm guilty of it too i mean you know with my with the clothing company i mean I was doing shit on computers i I would draw some stuff like i'd you know draw letters and and I would do sketches and and draw stuff and, you know, skulls and aliens and, and such. And then, uh, you know, scan shit in. But, you know, you can spend fucking hours and hours drawing something. And then you put it in on the computer and you fucking redo the whole thing in five minutes. You know, you can even spend two days on, on, a, on a piece of art. Then you put it in the computer and you fucking redo the whole thing in, in five, ten minutes. And you're just like, fuck. It, it makes know, it so a lot of people can do uh, can have this talent now to do it, which I think is good. I think that's a good thing overall. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's good to everybody should should have access to things, uh, you know. But those who have real talents is you know have real talents, and they're they are going to be the ones that shine or put it together, you know. Uh, I mean, Pro Tools for, with music. Anybody has access to a computer or, or software. But there's still those bands, you know, even, you know, I mean, there, there's no bands like the fucking the 80s from rock, fuck Motley Crue, you know, punk rock bands, you know, even though they're, they're still not playing fucking Black Flag, whatnot, like the real with, and, uh, but th that music that was fucking made that they, <laughs> that they sat and recorded and there, there were no Pro Tools, you know, it went into tracks and channels and, and and isolation chambers and and, and whatnot and and uh, you know for sound effects and and stuff <clears throat> you know it really couldn't be 
manipulated or, or reciprocated. I mean, it could be redone, but it would never the same. And, uh, and even now with all the computers and stuff, they, they still can't get what was, what was recorded back then. You know, it just, it, it can't, even though people have access to it, it's great. Anybody can be a musician, but not every, any, everybody can, you know, entertain the masses or get up on stage and rock the fuck out of the house. You know, that, that part can never be, you know, re redone by anybody or everybody. I agree. And that age that you mentioned, that, that, uh, that decade was really incredible for those punk bands and that type of music. You're right. I'm glad you mentioned that. We don't talk about that often enough. Yeah. I mean, the, the shit today, like even, even the biggest tours today are, are the fucking, you know, who, the, what's the big tour going out now that it's all over the Facebook is at Motley Crue and Def Leppard and, and, uh, like that was, you I know, the third band. yeah, people are all talking about that. Yeah. Poison, mm -hmm. I think poison and, and, uh, but you know, even when the ACDC would tour or Van Hit, like when they come back and do these tours, you know, it's like they're, they're making the most fucking money. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's still, they're still going on. There's still appreciation for the, the real art, the real music. Not that today's not, but even with all the technology, with all this technology and, and all the, the access and the resources, the music's no better. It's actually fucking worse. I think it's shit. So today's music with all the technology and all the stuff is worse than the stuff, the music that we grew up with, that people didn't have access to it. Like they actually had to make it. They had to play it. They couldn't just, you know, I mean, yeah, they could loop, loop stuff through, um, but they couldn't just like get on a computer and just throw down beats and say, okay, we don't even need, need musicians. We don't even need instruments. Like you had to have musicians, you had to have instruments or you had no music. That's funny because I have a it. YouTube channel and I can go to YouTube and YouTube free music and I'll bet a bunch of that stuff is just computer generated. You know, it has oh, nothing yeah. to do with an yeah. individual artist. Maybe it's someone who's generating their house, right? But it's it's just someone that's putting together uh, beats and sounds. So how, yeah. now, how do you have this perspective? Are you a musician yourself or are you in the management of musicians? Like, like yeah, cannabis industry and all of a sudden you have this knowledge of music. Like where do you, where do you have it from or, or how are you? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I was just a music freak. I got into punk rock at an early age. I went, I was going to concerts real young when, you know, I was, I was, I think maybe 11 started going to concerts just, you know, just when I just started smoking weed about age 11 and uh and i just always loved music and i was a rebel underground and when i first started the there was no punk rock back then so i was just uh, a metal kind of a metal dude and just you know rocking out fucking acdc van halen just uh and then i got into punk rock and then they, it was over that was the end of my life the beginning of my life but the end of my life and uh no no turning back and then uh, I played in a, you know, we had a garage punk band actually out in our barn, OPM, <laughs> that was the initials, OPM, only punk matters, only pussy matters, whatever you want to call it. But that was, that was our little, it wasn't even a garage band, it was a barn band. And, uh, you know, I grew up out on a ranch in the country. And, uh, but it was cool. And then uh, I fled, fled the country, went to the city and, 
never never turned back. So I was always into music and went to as many punk rock shows as I could. And then uh, I actually did a punk band in L.A., did that for a couple of years, and then band broke up. My, uh, my drummer went to rehab after he drove his, his car through a parked RV with people in it in Malibu. It all wasted, and then my guitar player was whacked out on speed, and he hung himself and killed himself. And oh and then uh, just kind of, I just kind of chilled for a bit, kind of, kind of dazed with all the shit that happened. And then, uh, and then I got into music management. My my mentor was a guy named Jerry Heller. From uh, there was a movie that was just out. Uh, Straight out of Compton, you'll, you'll they portrayed him in there uh, wrongfully, but uh, he was the one that put to uh, NWA on Ruthless Records. He was responsible for for Ice Cube's career, Dr. Dre's career, all that. So he was he was my music mentor, and we did projects together in uh, in LA, and he taught me a whole bunch of shit, and and it was cool. So I yeah I did all the, the behind the scenes. The management, the record labels, promotions, you know, toured, got to tour, you know, went out on, on bu- tour buses in different countries and partied, partied like a rock star. Fuck, I partied harder than the bands. <laughs> I was the I was the manager and I fucking out partied the bands, but it was cool. <laughs> well, you had and, to, you uh, have to play a certain role there being the manager of the front man too, don't you? Yeah. You're no, the provider, I, I, I right? you're, to, you're the everything guy. Yeah, I mean, I had to come proper and take care of business. I always took care of business, but a lot of people didn't understand. You know, they're like, "This Bucky's treating this band like a gang. He wants us to go out, wants us to go out and fight this other band." I'm like, you know, and I'm like, "No, I don't want you guys to go out and fight this other band. This other band says we got to come up with twenty fucking thousand dollars to give them." And they're just trying to extort it out of us, and and they're gonna beat my ass because they want to beat your guys's ass. So I'm going out there to fucking take a bullet for you guys, and you guys, I fucking go out there, and all you guys hide on the bus and peek out the fucking windows while I get surrounded by twenty motherfuckers <laughs> at a fucking bonfire where they're all drunk, drinking a keg and doing blow, and I'm I'm about ready to fucking <laughs> get my ass beat because I'm protecting money in the band, and you guys are calling me a fucking gangster. I'm like, fuck you guys. The fuck's going on? Who's band is this shit you know <laughs> put yourself on the line man unbelievable for a bunch of children it sounded like yeah exactly it was yeah it was a bunch of kids but it, it was cool i mean it, yeah. like i said it was it's life and uh those were the paths in life that i took and i got no regrets you know and uh i mean people cry and whine about this and you know not fucking not having money and you know people passing away and you know we've all lost loved ones and we've all been broke and you know we fall down but you know are you gonna fucking get up and stick your fucking thumbs between your belt loops and pull up your fucking britches and fucking keep walking you're gonna lay down there and fucking cry amen to that brother all right, so so one of the things of this podcast we like to talk about is the fact that uh, a weed and exercise needs to be in your life. And I noticed it on your Facebook, you got a shirt that says, I love yoga. I preach yoga, I preach swimming, and I <laughs> preach and I preach uh, biking. So yoga is definitely a piece of it. All right, is that really something you, you support like that? 
Yeah, I used to do a lot of yoga in Malibu when I lived out there, just because it was like the thing to do, and you'd you'd get fucking baked, walk on the beach, fucking do your do your little rituals, and I'd go fucking hit yoga. And uh, I mean, I guess I was doing yoga too because there was fucking a lot of hot chicks in there, and I was, I think, probably the only dude in there. And uh, <laughs> Mal, there's a lot of hot chicks in the boo for show. And uh, so I started doing it out there. I used to go to it with my girlfriend. Then I got into yoga. I actually fucking enjoyed it. I'd get so high and go to class and just fucking have the best workout and then just meditate at the end. So I haven't done it for a while. It's one thing in my life that that I'm missing. I really need to stretch. I mean, I work out a lot, but I I haven't fucking stretched in years because I haven't done yoga. That was really the only stretching that I got. I mean, pulling your elbow behind your fucking head and pulling your arm down that doesn't do shit but yoga does you know and i i definitely have a void in that but exercise it's it's key key to life i mean if if you're not in shape i mean you're gonna break down and die just like a fucking car you know i mean it's it's keeping oil you know obviously oil in the car but everything else has to be you know the 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 tires have to be good there's got to be air in the tires i mean the fuck even the 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 windshields have to be clean. You know, there's got to be windshield wiper fluid in there to clean them when they get dirty. You know, so there's there's a lot of things taking care of the body. I mean, your body's your temple. You know, I mean, you you can party. I mean, fuck, I'd still party. Not as hard as I used to, but uh, you have know, any you gotta be able to. Right, Bucky? Yeah, extreme in moderation. Extreme <laughs> in moderation. Except cannabis. Yeah, extreme and moderation. Extreme and moderation. I love it. Hey, all right. So, uh, a project. What, what's uh, we were talking about? Something that you did in the U.S. Uh, a project that, to me, is being periphery of the cannabis industry sounded monstrous to me. You said something about building a large ethanol facility. Is this something you can talk about? I would love to chat with you on on how the heck you did that and why you took on a role like that. Uh, how you got yourself into a position to start talking about extraction of this plant. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, I grew up in, in Colorado and, you know, did the cannabis thing <clears throat> back when the shit was really underground. And then I, I got out of town and, and uh, moved to L.A. For, for however many decades. I mean, I moved out there back last century, back in the 1900s. And, uh, you know, and then everybody kept doing the, the Colorado shit and, and then it got legal and, uh, you know, and then I had a little bit of interest, not much. All my friends were still doing, I was doing my fashion and music in LA and I was chill. And, uh, I just, I didn't really have any desire to, to get back in that shit just because of all the bad stuff that happened and everybody died or went to prison or, or was gone. So just, I didn't really have any desire to even be in that environment, but it was a little bit different with uh with the laws and and legalities and stuff and then hemp came up and uh and hemp you know wasn't to get high it was to get healthy and i like being healthy i mean i i like i fucking pay to get healthy (laughs) you know it's like you pay to get high well i now i now i pay to get healthy i want to be healthy and uh so the cbd uh derived from the hemp it, it it works and uh for all different things for for maintenance for athletes for pain for anxiety i mean you just go go down the line you, you know how many different things and uh and d- different needs 
every day you, you take it for something, a topical, a fucking edible tincture, a spray. I mean, you every day you're, I'm using the shit for a different purpose, which is great. And uh, so getting into that, and then we were, uh, I had some partners in uh, Colorado I was doing a project with, and we had this opportunity out in uh, in California. I don't I don't know how I stumbled onto this, but it was through some some guys that were into the cannabis business, and and they knew some Native Americans. That's a, that's the PC Native Americans, and there was a reservation out out somewhere by Temecula between Palm Springs and Temecula and and uh I got sucked into that it was another greed thing uh, you know make some money make some money and I didn't need to make any money but I got sucked into that next thing I know we drew we had an extract some extraction equipment and we drove it out uh drove it out to the uh, reservation and uh and we were going to set it up out there and supposedly you know the they had their own licenses and this and this and that because of sovereign nation and sovereign laws and you make up your own laws. And so they, they mm-hmm. said they could issue their own licenses and everything was cool. And next, you know, we're going to do the extraction for this reservation and sell shit up and down the coast of California and make a hundred million dollars and yada, yada, and everything's going good. And all of a sudden helicopters start flying over you know, Sam Bernardino helicopter, sheriff helicopters, and, and they're just hovering up above, you know, they're taking pictures, and uh, and I'm just like, what the fuck, man, I left this shit a long time ago, I don't need this shit, yeah. so I called my partner, I'm like, yo, yo, bro, this this shit ain't right out here, shit's gonna go down, I'm, I'm done with this, man, I'm, I don't need this shit in my life, and uh, so I fucking got a, we got a semi-truck, packed everything up, Got the shit, drove it back to Colorado, and fucking sure enough, uh, the U.S. Marshals and FBI fucking raid the place. But uh, we weren't we weren't there, and uh, got the extraction equipment out. So still didn't get an extraction thing set up. Still wanted to, and uh, and then tried. We're gonna try it again the next year. Then started getting into cultivation. Then growing growing crops here and crops there and another year goes by and then uh some i had a good friend in uh out in illinois and there was an opportunity there so we put together uh, a plan to do a, a super super facility at a at a very large scale and uh and i helped i helped uh design that plan and and do that uh i i went a different direction um, that super facilities going, going on out there, you know, I'll give them a good reference. If, uh, if anybody ever needs, um, to go, I hear you're doing something up there in, in Rochester also, or in, what's, in New York. What, what's the, what's the facility out there? Can you name the company? Or are they that far along yet? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, yeah, from, from what I understand, they're, I think they're, they're rocking and rolling right now. Um, we kind of went different directions in uh, in our careers, so. Um, but uh, that's yeah. We just kind of had went different directions, so. So um, now, have you always talked about doing ethanol? So have you had ethanol? You so you have an ethanol, uh, you know, reactor. Like like, explain the equipment that you've been yeah, toting eth- around eth- the country. <laughs> yeah, eth- well, 
the, the smaller ones that we were doing were set up for cannabis and the cannabis ones were never for large scale because everything was domestic. Everything could only be sold within the state. So you, you weren't processed. Like, you know, I mean, you, fuck, you were, they were extracting, you know, like 100, 200 pounds a day. You know, the smaller ones, the original butane ones were doing fucking 50 pounds a day. You know, I mean, the, the small ones that first started, that started in Colorado. And, uh, you know, then, the, you know, then they had the butane and propane, you know, the EPS systems. And, uh, you know, then you could get up to like 200, 250 if you're doing double shifts, you know, and, and really packing the columns like 400 pounds a day. And that was like, that was a lot. So mm-hmm. that, that was it. You weren't doing ethanol because you were, you had, you had the, uh, the control and you were able to do the amount that you were growing. You know, you only had a harvest once, once every three months. And you only had, you can only sell so much out of your store. Or if you were distributing to other stores inside the state, there was still only such, such a demand for it. Uh, when the concentrates first started being implemented into uh, edibles and, you know, then into cartridges for the very first time. It's called the clear, the distillate. It's just the distillate. It's called the clear. And, uh, you know, then there was a brand, the clear. But uh, that, so that, that's when it first started. But the, the ethanol, that really set up for hemp because all of a sudden now, you know, at one, you know, with the cannabis, you know, maybe you had 50 pounds of weed sitting there or a lot of the trim, you know, uh, originally it was, let's extract the trim and uh, because you weren't going to extract the buds because the buds were worth more. I mean, the shit was still fucking 4,000, 3,000, $2,000 a pound. And, uh, so, and the oil was only extracted. This was only worth so much per liter. So by weight, you were, you only extracted really the, the, the trim. And, but then people started extracting the uh, the buds. But once again, you were, you had 50 pounds. You maybe had inventory. Like, look, we have 500 pounds in the closet. You know, like, whoa, <laughs> 1,000 pounds. But, you know, the 1,000 pounds was really from outdoor shit. Mm-hmm. It really wasn't from indoor. If it was indoor, it was already sold, you know, state to state. Or if it was the, the legal stuff, it would be sitting in there and it would be sold to different stores that weren't growing their own. So the, the large scale, the commercial, that was really for hemp because all of a sudden now there was 10,000 pounds of hemp sitting somewhere, you know, in somebody's barn or now all of a sudden there was 50,000 pounds. Well, you know, this person had 150,000 pounds of hemp sitting somewhere. So what, are you going to extract on an EPS that does two, two eight-hour shifts, you're doing 400 pounds a day? Well, how, how many fucking days, how many months is it going to take to do 100,000 pounds? I mean, fuck, do the math. It's going to take a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, so all of a sudden now, somebody starts doing the ethanol. And, uh, you know, even, but even doing the ethanol, doing 500 pounds a day on one eight-hour shift, that was a big deal. That was a big deal. And all of a sudden, like, you know, and you're doing two eight-hour shifts, you're doing 1,000 pounds a day. You know, 1,000 pounds a day. Well, in a month, we can do 30,000 pounds. You know, we can fucking, well, you know, we can do fucking 100,000 pounds in three months. Okay, well, now, fuck, there's a, there's a million pounds sitting in somebody's barn. Okay, well, fuck, you know, 1,000 pounds a day. For a million pounds, it's going to take you a thousand fucking days. 
Okay, so well, you need to be doing a lot more than a thousand pounds on an eight-hour shift. So do five thousand pounds a day on an eight-hour shift. Okay, so do two eight-hour shifts. That's ten thousand pounds a day. Thirty days, you're you know running every fucking day. Why not? You're making money, so you can do three hundred thousand pounds a month. Okay, well that's a whole lot better than thirty thousand pounds a month. So and that that's only being done with uh, with. With uh, ethanol, the cold ethanol extraction. I mean, you, you're going to hear these other people. Oh, we're you know we got this, we got ultrasonic, we got this, we got that. Okay, show it to me. Well, it's, we're building it, we're building it. You know, so there's going to be bigger and better things. But the only things that I know for commercial for weight is, is ethanol. I mean, what what else is there? Well, you can do the the CO2. Well, how, how many CO2 setups are you going to need? And that's, you know, it's for extraction. All, all you're going to do is fucking turn it to distillate anyways. Yeah, that's right. And, and then what? Then you got to finish it. You're finishing what? Into isolate? So it doesn't matter what what, what the fuck. The, the terpenes, whatever. I mean, you, if you want to keep the terpenes, fucking extract them out along the way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all the other shit, well, it looks good. It was, you know, a boutique boutique extraction. But, but it doesn't matter. It's fucking isolate is isolate is isolate. That's right. Because it's just, and, it is the and, one individual cannabinoid for people out there. The difference between isolate and distillate, yeah. for those who don't know, isolate is, is CBD or it's one individual cannabinoid from that plant where broad, uh, broad spectrum distillate or full spectrum will have more of the cannabinoids and sometimes some of the terpenes. Exactly. So now if you want to distillate, you still get your distillate out of uh out of the the ethanol extraction so you've got your distillates i mean the full spectrum has the thc in it you know that's real full spectrum has everything in it and then uh you know you go ahead and and uh i mean the crude oil is the real real full but for your distillate anyways it still has the thc in it then if you take it out you got to do your your h hp your high pressure chromatography and uh, they, all you're doing is taking the THC out. Now you've got your broad spectrum because the T the is gone, so it's not full. You've got your broad broad spectrum, and uh, and that's it. So, and, but, and in the process the, for people uh, to understand, uh, right now uh, I've been characterizing what's going on in the industry where right now in the U.S., uh, and we'll talk um, the other countries here soon again, but in the U.S., they're talking about maybe having 175 million acres of hemp sitting there unprocessed this year because not enough processors have had the money to build these processing centers like you're talking about. The processing center you're talking about in Illinois uh, that you helped uh, put together, that's probably one of the biggest ones in the U.S., it, it, maybe or the biggest I've heard of. Am I right? Yeah, that that Kazmira, was definitely. Kazmira maybe called, might have a bigger one. Called, yeah, I mean it. It was put together as a super facility, and uh, to be one of the, if not the largest, in the U.S. And uh, and you know I'm I'm giving those guys props, and uh, you know they're they're doing it, and it's 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 going to be absolutely amazing. And, uh, but you had to build something that big because that there's just that much stuff out there. And, uh, so, so yeah, there, there's a lot of, a lot of, yeah, there's so much hemp that's just sitting there. Fuck. We're still finishing off our stuff from, from, uh, the 2018. Okay, and we've been we've been getting our shit processed. We even invested to a lab in, in in Colorado, up in Golden, up by Boulder, uh, just so we could we put the money in just so we could only extract our stuff. 
Yeah, and that's know, so we, for we, people to know that you're basically just going through the first step of the process and getting yourself crewed out of that, right? And just waiting to do this second step yourself. No, no, okay. we we invested into a lab that would do it would do the crew distillate and finish it into isolate. Excellent. So, but we we invested just, but it was it was still small capacity, and I mean we fuck we probably went through six, seven, eight different labs, and uh, we're still finishing up shit from 2018 season and 2019 is fucking over and done with yeah and uh you know and then we've got stuff from this year to do um but we're we're just not focusing on growing right now only doing only doing co-ops our our main main business now which is out of colorado is is genetics we're just focusing on genetics on feminized seeds so that that's I mean we're still involved with with different projects and different partnerships and different co-ops and uh, but feminized seeds that's that's our main business right now we've got two super super strains one of the best strains ever ever that's that's uh, came out of Colorado is the Abacus and uh, and the, then the Abacus 2.0 and then. Uh, then there was another crossbreed, the cherry abacus, which is just absolutely mind blowing. The uh, the yield from it is because uh, even the, the labs that processed abacus, just the, the the original abacus was just like this is they loved processing the abacus because it had the best yield uh, in the labs. It was just really easy to run. And, no, no, uh, are you talking so they, about CBD plants or THC? Yeah, plants? CBD, CBD, C, C, yeah, hemp. And, spe- and spell the plans. strain for me. Is it abacus, abacus? I want to get this. I want to- abacus, A-B-A-C-U-S. Okay, so that was, and we, we tried all sorts of different strains. I mean, fuck, we were one of the pioneers in, in hemp, uh, one of the original, original fucking hemp farms in uh, my, my, first, my first farm in, in Colorado. And uh, so we, we've been trying all different strains, you know, that were originally, you know, being being implemented in use we were trying this and trying this and and uh and then we got a hold of this abacus stuff and it was just fucking mind-blowing we're like god damn and then uh we loved it and then uh we partnered up with the guy who who developed the 2.0 and trademarked it and then uh and then we we did we sold clones and sold uh sold seeds and seedlings and uh and then we figured out because we were having to buy feminized seeds, went through all the different stages of, 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 of cultivation for farmers to use from clones to, uh, to seedlings, to seeds, you know, field seeds, male and female. And then, you know, buying uh, feminized seeds, which were super fucking expensive, but then also understanding you got to germinate it the right way or just planting them in fields doesn't mean anything. And uh, so there's there's still a lot of a lot of technical tech, technical issues that have to be addressed that most people just ignore, and it, it costs them their whole crop. It's, uh, ignoring a, a such a small technicality uh, will be the difference between a success and a failure. Just one tiny little thing that people are like ah, it's not important. Okay, that's going to make or break you. It's going to say you're going to lose a million dollars or make three million dollars. That, that was such a little thing, and then it happens, and uh, and I I watched it happen to fucking twenty five people this year because they didn't want to listen, and uh, but but 
we we made mistakes too. We had to go through learning curves on our own um, over the past couple of years. But but now, so Abacus, and so we have two super strains right now: the Cherry Abacus, which is mind blowing on yield and terpenes, and the shit what, is so crystal. What are you getting for percentages like CBD percentage, THC percentage of that in those plants? Uh, the, the, the the CBD can range just on on the flowers. You go and get them tested anywhere from 15, 20%. And then there's, there's, uh, you know, other cannabinoids in there. You've got, you know, some CBGs in there, which vary, which vary the the rates in there. Also some CBCs and, uh, and the, the THC levels that that's always going to vary. You know, you just, you got to watch it. Like like anything, you just you got to mm-hmm. test it, and if it starts getting hot, uh, or starts getting towards the hot, you just you, you call it quits and cut it down. Pull that plant, baby. <laughs> Pull it before, yeah, before yeah, the DA yeah. comes out. So, uh, were th- is these strains being grown in the U.S. or you got them growing on foreign soil? Yeah, the la- last year was the first year the cherry abacus um, seeds were sold in the U.S. and uh, and one of our partners actually grew it. He uh, he grew the cherry abacus, and it was his best yield ever. He's actually gave a uh, a reference that's going to be up on our website and our line sheet. His his actual reference on on his uh, his grow this year for the 2019. Um, so so the, yeah, the cherry abacus. Then we also have a strain which the seeds have never been grown yet, which are even a bigger and bigger yield and even more of a stronger profile uh terpenes and such and and trichromes and and crystal and sticky and deliciousness is the abacus 2.0 times the cherry abacus it's a so it's crossbred and uh and that's our super strain too so those are our two strains we've got the uh the cherry abacus and the cherry abacus times the abacus 2.0. So we have two two super strains of feminized seeds and feminized seedlings, which will be available uh, for pickup next year, starting in spring. The 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 seedlings, the femina, the female seedlings. So those are our main two. So do two you guys main have ideas of where these? Our focus of where these seeds might grow best because obviously here in New York we're still all identifying what's going to grow best here right we're just increasing our CBD acreage but this strain really intrigues me especially if it's already been known by processors to be high efficiency so oh I'm yeah just, I'm no, just that, curious yeah. of that it, it'll it'll kill it out in New York I mean it, yeah yeah if you grow this shit out there you'll have the best the best crop especially if you get the feminized seeds I mean the 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 field seeds are okay, but you got to stay on top of this shit. You got to be there to 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 pull the males out when they come out, and uh, or you just pay some extra money, and uh, instead of paying people out there all year long, not all year long, but I mean for for six weeks to walk up and down your fields. I mean you got a hundred acres, two hundred acres, a thousand acres. You're paying people to walk up and down for six weeks pulling the males out, <clears throat> fuck it, just pay the extra money and get the feminized seeds up front. That's right. Or, and if you want a better uh, better success rate, because germ- you, you got to get a strong germination rate uh, to have a, a, a good yielding crop if you get the feminized seeds, but if you get the feminized seedlings, then you've already got 100% success rate from the germination because you're only planting uh, plants, which are the seedlings, so they're 
So you've got 100% out of the gate. Then the success rate of the plants you're planting versus the success rate of germination in the plants from seeds, big, big difference. Big difference. Probably, I mean, it, it, could, it could go up to 80% difference. If you know what you're doing, it's probably about a you know, 10, 15% difference. That's right. So how are you seeing the culture of the plant here versus overseas where you are now? Well, it's, 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 I, I've seen the hemp over here in Thailand, the original strains and, and such, and it's just, it's been grown over here for fiber. So the, the, the industrial hemp in Thailand has traditionally been grown for fiber. So they're growing this stuff like fucking eight, eight inches apart. Apart, They're planting these things right next to each other. And they're growing, you know, 10, 12, 15 foot tall because they're, they're like bamboo shoots. They're only growing for the fiber. You know, everything else they just cut off and throw away. They don't want buds. Buds is just waste. Now with us, we want the buds and the, the fiber is the waste. You see, it's different because mm-hmm. we're growing growing for different reasons so there's strains over here they've been bred to grow tall and long for fiber that's what they've they bred them for us we're growing our plants to be bushy and for buds we don't care about the stalks we don't want stalks we just want buds so we've been breeding for in a complete different direction than than they are over here so when it goes commercial when the opportunity goes commercial um all the strains are going to be coming in from the u.s i mean there will be seeds coming in obviously from from amsterdam seed banks and such and uh you know european strains but uh we'll be bringing over the the u.s strains because that's the best for the cbd now we've got the cbgs we're even growing for cbns you know with some high cbcs and such so um u.s strains versus asia strains completely different apples and oranges for show for show interesting i I love to hear that because i i guess people that are uneducated are worried and i keep hearing these things asia's gonna have the market they're gonna send it in blah but um in my head, I was like, wait a minute, they're, they're, they haven't been growing THC, they haven't been growing CBD, so you just validated for me that, yes, they're ahead of us on fiber, and we need to increase our fiber production. I know there's certain companies now that are del- developing machines uh, that can produce fiber and, and, uh, and process fiber to be able to use for concrete, all sorts of different methods now. Um, but I know out in Asia, they're well ahead of us with that, right? So they're growing fiber out there to, to make products with. Is that correct? Is that what you're seeing? Sure. Yeah, exactly. The the fiber out here, and and they also grow in in India and, and other countries for hemp seeds, which is for food. So they grow for traditionally for fiber, for clothing. I mean, for for survival stuff. You know, they're they're growing for and the seeds, hemp seeds, hemp hemp oil, and uh, so that's that's what they. Uh, that's what they're growing for. They're growing for fiber. And, uh, That's a great and, way to put food. it, you know. I love how you just put that. It's, it's hemp, and they're growing it. So 
thousands of years ago, the Asians were were first ahead of this. They had it in all, and this is what I want to ask you as well. Do they? Do you see still still see this? On the medical side there, because originally they used the hemp plant for medicinal purposes. And, and you mentioned hemp for survival there. Do you still see it in there from like their, their shamans and, and their, their, um, you know, their doctors and that kind of thing? Any still piece of the cannabis plant out there for health? Because they're the ones who came up with tinctures originally. Yeah, I mean, they, they still have their tinctures or crude tinctures. Their, their tinctures are, are crude oil. It's just a crude extraction, and it's in alcohol. So it, it, it reminds me of, like, when you were a kid, like, the, the original tinctures that we had was, like, echinacea tinctures when you were sick. And, like, your mom had the echinacea tinctures, and she'd put the shit under your tongue. And it was just this dark, brown, black, nasty extraction with residue. And it was, it was the, uh, the carrier was an alcohol. So it would, like, burn your mouth, and it'd have the nastiest, bitterest fucking raw taste. So that's what their, that's what their tinctures are like out here because they have such primitive methods of here's the extraction they're not trying to take the thc out so they're not trying to make a distillate and then using high pressure chromatography to take the thc out so they can so they can sell cbd you know for a health supplement they're they're doing a just a fucking a crude extraction and with thc everything in it then they just put it in a carrier they thin it out in alcohol and uh and then then that's their tincture, that's their medicine they give to people with cancer. So, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you see it. I mean, and people are, people are making, uh, I mean, there, there's, there's definitely underground medicines. And, uh, I mean, it'll be good when it's, it's slowly becoming legal in Thailand for medical, medical marijuana, which is good because there's so many people that, that will really benefit from, having access to, to the medicines, you know. Um, it's not happening fast enough because there's so many people that, that aren't getting the access and the medicines that they, they could use uh, or could try to use, and they're not, they're not getting it in time and they're dying. Um, it's interesting that you said that they've already seen that using the tinctures for cancer over there. That, that's interesting because that's yeah. not happening here. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I mean, that's what is. That's what they. It's known for in the underground. There's underground people that, you know, sell it, and and people just get you know make the medicine and give it out to people, just you know to try to help them out. Good good Samaritans. And that's that culture. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, so you, you mentioned six countries over there that you're looking maybe that are going to get to commercialization. Well, mention the six just so people know kind of how this so, is expanding. Yeah, the countries that we've been toying around in, I personally have been flying around and, you know, having meetings with, you know, with, with, uh, with farmers and, and local governments and, and higher up, you know, ministry offices and, and, and military organizations and, and such as uh, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, and India. And I've also ventured over into Korea to explore and, uh, and doing some business, just some business in, in Japan currently. Um, but I've been, you know, going through these countries in Southeast Asia, you know, meeting with farmers and, 
and uh, just exploring all the different opportunities regarding licensing and setting up a business as being an American resident and uh, and partnering up with with uh, with local local residents as well as you know big big businesses in the different countries as well as partnering up with uh, with universities and and military branches and and uh, government organizations and such so it's uh it's slowly being being transitioned in into the country uh, um not as quick as the u.s and it's just kind of ironic because the u.s is the one that made cannabis illegal to make hemp illegal because the only reason they made cannabis illegal was because they didn't want to make uh paper out of hemp because of hers and they didn't want to make they didn't want to get rid of cotton for hemp they didn't want to get rid of lumber for hemp so the only way they could make hemp illegal is to make cannabis illegal and hemp was underneath cannabis because hemp it, it didn't get you high. It just, you, you made paper and you made clothes. It wasn't really being used for medicine. It was just being used to make paper and clothes. You couldn't get high off hemp. You know, I mean, when they made, when they made the Constitution, that was on hemp paper. They, they weren't getting high. And uh, so they made hemp illegal by making cannabis illegal. So the U.S. did that. And then they didn't want to go in other countries. So the U.S. made the world make hemp illegal by making cannabis illegal so now you just couldn't grow hemp that was the whole point of it they didn't want anybody growing hemp nobody because it was putting the lumber lumber companies out of business and the clothing company the cotton companies out of business so that was it so the u.s made cannabis and hemp illegal around the world now the u.s besides amsterdam you know initially and uh, then the u.s said well the u.s didn't say it but the states said it said we're making it fucking legal so now all of a sudden the u.s is making all the money off the hemp and cannabis well i mean some other countries are canada obviously is and uh, and slowly australia and, and other countries and such but now all of a sudden these countries are looking at the u.s and like wait a minute you guys are the ones that made it illegal now your guys are making all the money so they're slowly saying, well, we need to do that too. We need to catch up. We're, we're losing all this money, these opportunities to make all this money. So kind of looking at it like that, it's just kind of, it's beyond ironic. It's hypocrisy. And it's just, it's, it's just real bad and weird because these companies set up their laws to prevent hemp, prevent cannabis. And then the pharmaceutical companies beyond the paper and the, the clothing, the fibers, then the pharmaceutical companies saw that there was real value in, in the cannabis and, and the hemp, the CBD and the THC. So then they really wanted to keep the shit illegal. And this was all came from the U.S. So all, all these countries were set up to keep people from using it because the big corporations were going to lose money. So by keeping people from using it, they could put them in prison. So now all these laws and these cultures are set up such trying to revert, trying to stop that, yet alone reverse it. It's, you know, you've got that, that, that truck with no brakes going downhill. How the fuck are you going to stop it, yet alone reverse it and go back uphill with it? Uh, you know, so that, that's basically what happened they're trying to deal with. 
Yeah, we still got organizations like the USDA and FDA that keep wanting to try and just enough keep their foot on hold of the industry just so it doesn't spread too quickly. We don't want to go too quickly, this wave of health. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, the FDA, I mean, you, you know who they work for. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, that's the fucking, that's the, 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 the military force of, of pharmaceutical companies. <laughs> so, pharmaceutical companies don't want CBD or THC to be used. So, they're, they're still trying to figure out ways and shut companies down and say this and this and that. And, and I mean, they're still trying. Um, and, but it's, it's just, it's too bad. But like I said, it was a runaway truck going down the hill and, uh, trying to stop it and then get it back to the top of the hill is, is, is a challenge. And, but the Asian countries, they're, they're understanding the, the money potential there, but trying to implement it is, is, you know, it's not as quick as the U S can just overnight say, okay, <laughs> weed's legal. You know, Colorado, you just have a vote, and and it's enough people voted, and now it's a constitutional right of Coloradans to fucking grow weed and smoke it because enough people voted, and it was a constitutional amendment. So overnight, it's legal. You know, a, a, a bill gets passed to a law for hemp in Thailand three years ago. Three years ago. It, it, for hemp. Our cannabis for hemp three years ago saying, okay, we can do research. Research. But we can only do research for three years. And then we'll analyze the research and maybe we can do a commercial. Like, wait, wait, what? So, so mm-hmm. it's things take a lot longer because the way that the, the culture and society was set up because the U.S., made cannabis illegal because they had to make hemp illegal. Remember, they didn't, they didn't care about making cannabis illegal. It was only because of hemp needed to be illegal. So if you make cannabis illegal and call it the Mexican name because people don't like Mexicans because they're thieves, so call it fucking marijuana. Now it's Mexican and people are going to, the Mexicans steal. And then they put out the, the movie that says, uh, your daughter, your nice white daughter smokes this marijuana. She's going to go have sex with black people and they're going to gangbang your white daughter. <gasps> I remember them old smear campaigns. Oh, man. Yeah. I remember yeah, those. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're all of that age, Alex. We do. Uh, you know, and what in the Reagans, you know, the, the say no to drugs campaign and all the nonsense and. Uh, you know, it, it's just amazing. But, you know, that, that's a part of the whole big picture of the cannabis space that I've never really talked about in this podcast. So I'm really glad, glad you brought that up today, Bucky, because I've always talked about the social side of it, uh, you know, in the 30s and when it came off. But but you really talked about the business side uh, deep rooted. So, so uh, before I get off on the topic of, of Asia, are you and your knowledge well received out there when you talk to these countries and these politicians and the military or are you looked at as like get this guy off our uh, in front of us we don't want to talk to him anymore. no i've i uh i mean i i respect the people highly in in thailand i mean you you need to you're on somebody else's you know soil turf in somebody else's country uh, in their kingdom i mean you, you have to have respect so but I, I have respect, period. That's just how I am in life. And uh, and I'm always 
willing to share my knowledge and my experiences with people anywhere in, in any country, on, on a subway, on a boat, you know, on a street, in an alley, in a club, in a restaurant, you know, anywhere. I, I love, I love, you know, teaching people. And uh, so when, when I speak out here, um, in, in this environment regarding the hemp or cannabis, uh, where people are inquisitive and want to hear and want to learn, fully embraced, you know, fully embraced. And, uh, and as much as I respect them, they, they respect me. You know, I, I was, you know, uh, asked to be a guest speaker at an, at an international hemp symposium at a university, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I've gone and I've, been asked to give presentations, you know, to militaries, Department of Defenses, you know, I mean, just the list goes on and on and on. And, uh, you know, I, I appreciate the respect that they give me and they're wanting to hear, hear information because they're, they're so far behind and they haven't had access to be able just to do it. Every, everything's underground because it's still illegal. So everything's underground and their resources are limited to what they can use or what they can buy. They can't just go down to a, a grocery store, buy a bunch of stuff and go, go in and, and, and set up shop. You know, it has to be hidden. And uh, so, so, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looked at as, as an expert, um, somebody, uh, you know, a higher, higher power with, with knowledge and such. Um, not in a, not in a religious way by any means, um, but just in a knowledgeable way. And, uh, and it's, it's kind of cool. Sometimes it's kind of surreal, like, fuck, what am I doing up here? You know, in front of a couple hundred people talking, dressed in a three piece suit and everybody's staring at me, you know, all of a sudden I'm like, fuck, having an anxiety attack, stage fright, you know, <laughs> it but, happens but it's, us, yeah. yeah, no, but, it, but it's all good. I mean, I, I appreciate, you know, I appreciate any chance I get to, to share my knowledge. And in the meantime, I'm asking them questions. I'm trying to learn about their existence, you know, what, what they're doing, because they're, ac they're experts on stuff that they don't even know that they're experts on just because it's just part of their day-to-day -day life. So I call myself a root, root cause like investigator. I love when I'm in any environment, I want to learn as much as I can, hear as much as I can, absorb that and figure out what I can take for myself and pass along or learn and, and use myself, right? It sounds like you're much the same way. Uh, so when you're out and about, you're, it sounds like you're asking as many questions as you're being asked of, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably asking more questions just because I'm a, I'm a full-time student. In, in life. So I'm, I'm just, I'm always asking questions. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I, I can ask 20 questions and, and get 20 answers and not learn, a, not learn anything. I get answers, but I, I don't learn anything. And then I could ask one question somewhere to, to a person that I don't even think is going to be worthy of a response. I ask one question and I just learn 20 things in life. It's funny how it works. And it's funny how sometimes what leads you to the situation to, to ask that question or to receive that answer, right? Like a night where you're like, how did I end up down this path or this road or in this place? And next thing you know, you're like, man, I'm glad that I ended up here. 
Yeah, I mean that that just that gets back to this one of the one of the 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 things that I've been carrying with me now for three, four, five years, which I actually got out here in Bangkok, and uh, <clears throat> I my first my first uh, time here. Uh, did you ever see that movie uh, Hangover of in course. Bangkok? Heck yeah. So, so I base basically that happened to me. I came out here to meet a, meet a friend. He never showed up. Partied my brains out. Basically woke up in in the embassy. No passport. Had to go to the police station. Immigration. Just trying to figure out what the fuck happened to me. And uh, and I'm sitting here having breakfast. Just no passport. Trying to figure out what the hell happened. And you know just. I'm just like, oh my god! And then I'm, I met some guy just there. He's eating breakfast, and I was talking to him, and uh, and I told him the story, and he's like, dude, you you just you gotta you gotta get control. And I'm like, oh, this I can't believe this. He's like, listen, you're a mess. And I'm like, I know I'm a mess, you know. Like, da, da, da. He's like, listen, it's not what happened, but what you are gonna do about it. I said, what? He's like, yeah, it's, it's not what happened, but what are you going to do about it? I'm like, what the fuck does that mean, dude? Fucking passport's gone. I don't have money. I don't have this. And uh, he's like, yeah, that already happened, but what are you going to do about it? I'm like, what? He's like, tell me what you're going to fucking do about it. Stop fucking whining. What are you going to do about it? And I Move said, forward. That's right. Move well, forward. I got to, I don't know. I got to go get a, I got to get a new passport. I got to do this. He's like, so go fucking do it. And I said, you know what? Fuck. Okay, dude. That that makes sense. So I've been carrying that with me, and that was just a random thing, you know. Because you're like, how does this happen for you to get this information to to, to you know to even like ask a question and like uh, a lesson to me that I'm carrying. And I'm I'm tell I, I tell people I, and I told the guy I said, dude, I'm going to bring this with me. I'm going to tell other people. He's like, that's fine. But I wasn't asking him questions. It just kind of came out. But like you said, on how did, how did these learning things come out? How did these, you know, these things that we pick up? Is it because we're asking questions, because of a situation that happened? And, but yeah, it's just, it's just kind of randomness. But those who are, are students in life are going to listen. They're going to listen. They could be, you know, you could be in the back of a classroom and not even a student. You could be somebody's friend or, or, or you could be a janitor sweeping the floor and you could hear something and you could pick it up. You know, you can be a student even though you're not, you're not part of a class. Amen. We are students of life and we need to make sure we're learning every day. Otherwise, we've shut ourselves down to the force, to the energy, right? We have to continue to let it, let it come and absorb everything that hits us. Yep. So what advice would you, you know, everybody in the U.S. wants to jump into this industry. They're still trying to learn it. I'm trying to explain a lot of it through this podcast. But what advice would you tell people looking to be in the industry in the U.S. currently? Um, I would say don't hesitate. Um, He who hesitates waits. And uh, don't don't hesitate. If you want to do something, just just get started. Just do, do something. And, uh, you know, what do you want to do? That's up to you. You know, Um, there's just so many different ways to get into it. I mean, if if you want to farm, be a farmer. You know, if you want to work in a lab, fucking work in a lab. If you want to build your own lab, build your own lab. If you don't have money, 
um, find find resources. You know, if if you can't find resources, partner up with somebody, and uh, you know, just but but do something. You can do it as a hobby, or you can do it full time. You know, it's that's really your your personality. If if you're a a full timer, you're going to do it full time. If you're just a hobbyist, like you've done everything in your life, just do it as a hobby for fun. Because there know? is a place for craft and for big, right? There is a place for craft, processing, craft, extraction. And yeah, boutique, right? bu- boutique buds. You can you can grow. You know, fuck. You could grow indoor flower. You could grow. You know, a thousand acres outdoor for biomass. You know, you could grow. You know, a thousand uh, square foot greenhouse for boutique smokable buds. You know, it, it all depends really what, what you want to do. Either way, there's only so much time in a day. So you could spend eight hours a day, you know, growing in a thousand square foot greenhouse, or you could grow eight, eight hours a day growing a thousand acres of biomass outdoors. So you just got to kind of choose, do your time management and uh, do an assessment of what's what's more valuable to you with your time. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're only doing something for money, I say it's, it's the wrong reason to do it. Like anything in life, you do it for money. You're always going to be disappointed. It's always going to be, it will never be satisfying. And this plant can bring a lot more value than just money. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this plant, there's, there's so many different uses of it. I'm, I'm looking to get into biofuels. So, um, and, that, and there's not that much money in biofuels because there are already biofuels right now with corn. That's, that's mm-hmm. ethanol. Yep. So that, and that's subsidized in the U.S., although not subsidized as much now with, with, with that, uh, with what's that Don the Con in there now. So the, the subs, subsidized corn really kind of took a hit because a lot of the, uh, the, the fuel places were, were forced to use so much ethanol. Now he said, no, they don't have to use the ethanol to help out the uh, the the fossil fuel businesses. So now all of a sudden there is a much demand for the the corn in the U.S. is what there once was. Um, but that was a biofuel made from corn. You can make biofuel from the fibers from the uh, the sugar cane, which they do down in Brazil. There's a big uh, plant sugar cane processing plant that makes biofuel from the uh, the fibers after the sugar is stripped out of it. <clears throat> the same thing with uh, the fibers from from the hemp plant. Um, the money, it's, it's, it's just as much money as you can make from corn. You can be a corn farmer to make uh, ethanol, or you can be a hemp farmer to make biofuel also. So the money is not as great margins as growing for CBD um, processing or CBG processing, which is still probably twice as much as the CBD right now. Mm-hmm. Hasn't called up yet, but it's it's exponentially been catching. And I think that's going to come uh, with catching. the research, the research and everything behind it to find out the value of that, right? Yeah, I mean, the, it's best before you jump into something, look at the the margins. Yeah, uh, today, but as well as look as what they were yesterday for the compression ratio, and then look for longevity. Um, you should be able to figure out a, a scale um, a, on a scale chart of where it's going, if you know where it's been, where it is today, and where it's going. 
and then you can kind of figure out longevity um, commercial aspects before you you commit to something. Um, fortunately, being in the business for so long, I'm, I am able to figure that out and I adjust quick and, and am able to make moves um, vertically or horizontally as needed. Um, that's why we're doing feminized seeds right now. And uh, not not doing clones anymore, but I'll do I'll do seedlings, feminized uh, seedlings also. Um, and I'm going to be doing smokable flour. That's 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 good right now. And that's, that's, a, that's, and that's a double edged, That's a double edged sword because uh, we know that everybody wants smokable flour, but the FDA in the states are 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 you know dangling on how they're going to legalize that or not. So that's, it's such a double-edged sword because it really medicinally, a lot of people love smokable CBD. Uh, it's really helping people. Yeah, it, it definitely is. And the market's really just growing for that. So um, I'm definitely doing smokable flower uh, 2020. So I'm, I'm getting set up for that right now. That's in the but U.S., right? In the U.S.? Yeah, I'll, I'll be growing. Well, I'll be doing it overseas too. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm about ready to. I'll probably. I'm looking about pulling the trigger on one of these countries out here. I'm not going to say which one it is yet, just because I want to jumpstart of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm looking to pull a trigger possibly in March uh, for both cannabis and hemp. Because if I can do cannabis, hemp hemp is allowed to be grown underneath cannabis, and uh, and I'm looking into uh, the cannabis just because of the the opportunities that I'll be able to get in this country. Um, so but that'll be for March, 2020. Exciting times. Yeah. Now, now uh, you don't, I don't want you to mention the country, anything you're doing, but over there, how do you see it coming through legalization? Like for instance, here, certain States went THC's legal, medical, recreational, CBD, blah, blah, blah. How do you think it's going to roll out out there? Well, and uh, I mean, it's kind of the same thing. Like in Thailand, there was five provinces which which allowed hemp to be grown for research purposes. Okay, and uh, uh, which in the U.S. Uh, most of the most of everything was only for research purposes for hemp, but they grew it for research purposes, and then they extracted it, and then they had a product without THC, so they were able to to sell it. Um, so in Thailand, it was five provinces, which were kind of like states. And then in, uh, the same in some of the larger countries like India, there's different states over there, um, that are, that are, have allowed it to date and other ones haven't yet. Uh, Africa, there's a, I don't know how many countries over there, but like two of them, um, have allowed for, for cannabis, um, for cultivation, um, but no domestic sales. So it's it's just it's interesting watching, but it's it's still kind of good that not every every country and state's doing it because there'd be no value to it. Because as soon as that happens, yeah, then it's just you can grow corn, you can grow soybeans, or you can grow hemp because there's there's no value. It's the same because it's it's not a segregated, restricted market. Interesting. 
so uh, obviously you've been in the industry since uh, extracting out of closets and growing closets to where it is now. Are you happy with it? So the most recent update to me of this industry, and I'm, I'm going to close this soon, so I know you're tired. Uh, 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 Major League Baseball here in the U.S., I don't know if you heard, has now taken the cannabis plant off of the list of banned stu- substances. Uh, and uh-huh. they added testing for opioids, and they're going to provide a opioid uh, program for their players not to suspend them for opioid use, but to help them get off of opioids. And then now they're not testing for cannabis at all. So uh, it, it, to me, we've gone. It, it, it's almost like I can't believe baseball was the first sport to, to do that. I thought the NBA probably would. Um, so what's your feelings about the industry from what you've seen from just getting into it to now? And Are, ha- are you happy with where we're at? And, and what's your feelings about what Major League Baseball did? Well, I'm, I'm not happy with where we're at. I'm happy with <clears throat> with the, the direction of, of the, uh, the, the, the usage of, uh, a lot, the tolerance is going. The word is the tolerance. Um, yeah. How the fuck can somebody get in trouble for smoking weed? Like to me, I always said, like if if you know if somebody's on probation, go go test them, give them a piss test, and if they're not smoking weed, then they're in trouble. Because <laughs> right. if if you're smoking weed, you know you're you're chilling, you're chilling, you're you're not doing a lot of this shit. That uh, that that you could be doing, or you know, the people that people that don't smoke weed, you know, PTSD, anxiety, sleeping, irritability, back, you know, chronic pain leads to irritability. Irritability leads to, uh, you know, shortness of of, uh, of of temper and and anger issues. You know, so. I always said if someone's in trouble and on probation, they better test them and they better have cannabis in them or they're, they're going to get in trouble. So that was always my thoughts and that, that always made sense, but implementing that. Yeah. Good luck. Um, <laughs> You're right. It's you too know, logical. Yeah. And, and sports like, Oh, you know, like, Oh, uh, you know, uh, a sterile strawberry tested positive for cannabis, you know, the, 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 the New York Yankee guy. Yeah tested positive for for blow but a cannabis he was he was smoking joint you know he must have smoked a joint a month ago and it still stayed in his system you know and you need to suspend him you know like he he is bad he's bad (laughs) you know like goodness gracious you know the the sports players you know they they get tested they have some steroids in there you know like let's test them for steroids you know like well you got called for steroids you know give him a fine he's an athlete of course they're going to use steroids well he can't use marijuana marijuana is used by by criminals you know like so all that's fucking bullshit yeah it's the tolerance is going down, so that's definitely going in the right direction. And uh, you know, it's just—it seems so weird that people can still get arrested for for the uh, you know smoking a joint or such. Um, it's just—it's—it's it's bizarre. Slowly coming our way, though. Not fast enough, I agree. Uh, but but it is uh, the court of public opinion is coming our way. Yeah, and and I mean the the. 
the uh, the medical you know medical cannabis and and such they're doing that here in Thailand and you're going to be able to go get a prescription from a doctor and they're going to allow uh, you know foreigners if they have a prescription you know for their medicine from another country I, from what I understand that that'll be allowed here <clears throat> then you can buy it here too um, you know so th- in different countries and even in the U.S. it's still going in the right direction. It's it's definitely going in the right direction, and I mean the the opioid use that that's the real shit. I mean the the biggest kill, the biggest killers in the U.S. are the legal shit. I mean the the biggest is is all the legal shit besides guns. I mean that's a whole separate issue. Guns are legal. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest fucking killer. But the the opioids that's the biggest killer than all the other drugs combined. And uh, then the next thing is it's the fucking alcohol. I mean, the alcohol and the, you know, the DUIs and the, the drinking and the driving and the violence and all that shit. The alcohol is the worst. Opioids are the biggest killer. And then the, you know, the cigarettes and, and the guns. I mean, the, the legal shit. <laughs> that's all the fucking biggest killers. But it's okay. That's, that's okay. Didn't you know? I say it's that in okay. our last episode, Robert? Is, I think those are my exact words in my la- last two episodes where all the stuff that's legal is the stuff that's bad for us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it's okay. It's okay. No problem. You know, smoke your cigarettes. You know, get, take your opioids. Fucking, you know, have side effects. If you don't die, we'll try to keep you alive because we want to get you on other medicines and get you sick. It's it's okay. And, and we want you to drink and drive because if you drink and drive, we can catch you and put you into jail. You know, and then we can make money off the whole system. We want you to drink and drive. It's okay. We say don't, but we want you to so we can catch you. That's right. We're going to set up those roadblocks and get you. Oh, yeah. this was a pleasurable conversation. I know it's late at night for you, sir. And you are just talking to this podink little podcast based out of Rochester, New York. And I cannot tell you how absolutely good I feel. And I, I very much respect you. And thank you very much for joining us. Um, you have educated us today. Alex, you are the man. You brought a good man into this, both of you. You and you guys are the best. Uh, I couldn't ask anything more out of you. I'd love to learn a lot more from you, so I hope you join us again as, you're, as you progress, Bucky. Uh, I, I'm, congratulations on Sick Fuck. Bob just did a little research to see how much revenue you have coming in from that company. Uh, and with all of your cannabis experience, um, I'm going to tap into that. I hope you know. I will be sending you a message in the future to learn some stuff from you uh, on the side. So I just want to thank you for taking the time, staying up late at night, and and educating us today. So thank you. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And then I'm I'm going to give a shout out. Fuck, I probably should have done this earlier Good. <clears throat> versus the end of the show. But our, our uh, website to buy the seeds is... Hemp seeds with an S, hemp seeds, CBD sale.com. Hemp seeds, CBD sale.com. The company's name abbreviated is HSC for hemp seeds, CBD. HSC is the company we've got our product line. It's made in the USA, made in Colorado. It's called Thai Love. T-H-A-I-L-U-V.com, Thai Love. We've got a great assortment of all sorts of uh, hemp products, tinctures, cosmetics, you know, the, the whole nine. Um, you know, go check this stuff out, you know, and then hit me up too. I'll, I'll send you some, uh, a goodie, 
you know, a, a goodie pack of a bunch of bunch of swag, some good good products for you to use and such. Yeah, and I'll reciprocate. You know? I'll reciprocate. So, uh, yeah, I would I appreciate, appreciate having that. that stuff. Yeah, and and also, uh, real quick, we've had someone who runs a nursery out in California on our podcast a couple times, Salt of uh-huh. the Earth Nursery out there. Uh, he's done uh-huh. a lot of THC growing and CBD, Brent Jessian, and he's about to start a uh, greenhouse and uh, here doing clones for people. So I want to connect the two to you guys and see if he's heard of that strain and see if we can do something because I'm very intrigued by that strain and the benefits of it and the efficiency through uh-huh. extraction, and I would like to learn more about it. So I hope maybe we can all connect and maybe partner up. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, yeah, this is just this is just the beginning. I mean, well, now that we're we're connected, I mean, we'll we'll do some projects together for sure. And I appreciate you know the invitation, Alex. Good looking out. I've mean, always seen Alex out here in Thailand um, again for his for his birthday again in Songklan. We'll be spraying water like like foals down in yeah, Pattaya in on soy seven. He mentioned yep, that to me April. the other day. He had me all intrigued, but yeah, yeah, yeah maybe, uh, maybe yeah. I can get Brian to tag along. We'll I see. I don't think I'm ready yet. I think it's gonna be a couple of years before I can travel like that with everything going on. But but I I, I would love to come out there and, and hang out with you guys out there and really see it from from that perspective. So yeah, that'd you guys be are, awesome. You're very nice guys. You guys are great souls, and I appreciate you having here. Uh, I know Bob's got a big smile on his face over here. We didn't let him talk today, but I know he he's enjoyed the conversation. So for everybody, it is January. Get out and ski for those of you skiers and snowboarders get out in the weather who cares if it's cold who cares if it's snow get your exercise and make sure you get your cannabis thank you gentlemen and everybody have a great day all right take care i love you guys later all right, thank later. you sir bye